This is a podcast for creatives exploring the art of writing ugly, embracing it, and pushing forward. I'm your host, Brooke Shante, and I'm journeying on my own path as a writer, uncovering hard facts, hidden truths, and occasionally sharing some interesting experiences along the way. Stay tuned for heavy rotations of positivity, productivity, and possibility. Welcome to Creatively Imperfect. Hello, writers. Welcome back to the Creatively Imperfect podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Shante. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. And thanks so much for taking time out of your day to come and listen to me for this week's episode. This episode is actually another author spotlight. And today I have the pleasure of introducing you all to B.A. Davidson. He's joined me to talk all about his memoir, Murphy's Boy. And he's also sharing parts of his journey as a writer and author. We really had a blast, and I can't wait for you to listen in. So grab a drink, get a snack. This one's a bit longer than last week's episode, but I promise you, it's worth a listen. Let's get into it. Get started. I want you to just tell me one thing about Canada that people should know about. Well, we are. People think that Canadians are very friendly, and we are. However. A lot of the time, they're just very passive-aggressive and petty people. So um, you can take that for what it's worth. And it's not as cold as people think up here, at least not in Toronto. We have a very similar climate to uh, to New York. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Thought be, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like it would just be colder, like, all the time. No, it's, like, it's a little bit cold. You guys... It was warm there last week for you guys. It's been it's mm-hmm. been warm here. Um, I would do the conversion of Fahrenheit to Celsius, but uh, I'd probably need a calculator or Google for that. So, but okay. I, I think it was basically the same the same temperature. I, what you guys were in like the high seventies, something like that. Yeah. yeah so yep. we we were in there as well. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's like summer. Well, it's like late late summer, I guess. Okay, I, I get that. Okay, cool. So you have your book out, Murphy's Boy, available on Amazon now, but you weren't always a pu- published author. When did you realize you had the power for words or the power of words? Um, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've been writing for years and years. Uh, I mean, since I was a kid, but really actually kind of writing probably since about 2003. But I had never shared it with anyone except the occasional girlfriend or uh, or or the odd friend. So this was the first time that I actually shared my work with the world. And I actually, before I published it, I wrote the whole thing on Facebook of all places, which sounds a little bit strange, but um, COVID had hit. So I, I kind of, I dropped it. Um, well, we'll get into how I got there, but basically I was hoping that it would give people something to do to take their mind off the lockdowns because it was uh, it was a scary time for everyone. So after the first chapter, I... There was a there was a response and it kind of I knew that I had some hammer lines in there maybe like a couple paragraphs that 
would catch people's attention. So it was surprising to get the response back from people that they found it riveting or, or that it caught their attention in the way that it did. And I remember before I wrote part two, um, and I, I write about this in the book because it kind of becomes a layer cake once it reaches the point of, of where I start writing, which is, I believe, day 12. Day 11 or 12 is where it kind of crosses that line and another layer of the cake enters. But I remember I walked into the kitchen after I'd seen it and... Like I said, it didn't shock me because I knew that I, I knew that I had some punch to it, but it surprised me enough that I became a bit emotional and, and because I had come back from the dead to write this. Like I didn't talk to anybody uh, for, for, for the last five years, basically. And uh, I remember I kind of stumbled into the kitchen and leaned up against the counter and I said, just I whispered it out into the air. You ain't seen nothing yet. And that was that was right before I wrote chapter two. And there's 90 chapters because I did this for 90 days straight. So it uh, that's where it kind of it had some power to me. I which was it gave me a little bit of pep in my step. It, it gave me some fuel for my fire, basically. But when I found out that that it had power over people or that or that it was impacting other people, there were various parts throughout the beginning chapters, maybe one through eleven, but I think part twelve, I talk about how COVID was spreading like wildfire, and I, I was living in Madrid at the time, and it it's the epicenter of Europe, so. I feel your pain in in New York, um, maybe to a different degree, but Spain is such a small country that they they were getting smoked by it. And uh, I wrote about how an emergency medical response team had been going to seniors' residences, and they had found groups of seniors in their beds uh, and they had died and that tore me up inside. And so while I was writing that I was tearing up and I, I was, I was crying as I wrote it because it, it was just eating me. It was, it was tearing holes inside me to, to see that somebody could just abandon other humans that way. So in some ways as a writer, when you get emotional responses, I always say that that makes you realize that you, you're doing something good as a writer because then people are, that's what you want to get out of your writing. You don't want somebody to just read it like it's a, a document of sorts. You, you want them to feel something, right? Exactly. I posted the first, the first chapter and that, that kind of came out and I, I got a response back from it, but I didn't know that I was going to be writing a book. So I was just, I was just being honest. Um, a lot of people have said that I, I'm, have congratulated me or said that uh, I'm so vulnerable for, or for being so vulnerable or having the courage to tell these stories. But 
I just write human. I, I don't have training in this. I didn't go to school for it. Um, so I just write how it comes out of my eyes. So when I think about how it affects me telling these stories in, in, in such a way and being so honest, um, when I look back now, I'm glad that I did it that way. Um, because I, I think it's real. It tells people the truth and, and true stories. Uh, I don't know. Stories evolve. So I hope that answers your question or I may have deviated from it a little bit. No, that was fine. That, I actually appreciated the point you made on, you know, you, you just write human. Um, I think that's very powerful, especially for a beginner writer to, to listen to that, you know, it just lets people know that you don't need much to to start writing. You don't need to be this, I don't know, this educated and and whatever. You you know, it's all there. It's in your heart. It's in the emotions that you carry. It's in you as a human. And you can just start there and write. That's exactly it, right? I mean, I always said, like I say throughout the book, work with what you have because what you have is enough. And People don't realize it, but you can just tell your story. Um, the other other human beings will find it interesting. And so often these days we we try to write things to make people think that you're a good person or that you're just going down this motivational track or whatever it may be. And don't get me wrong, I, I love motivational speakers. Um, like Eric Thomas, Les Brown, those guys changed my life. I would consider them digital mentors but I think that's only one side of the coin I think that you really need to be honest when you tell stories because that that's real life right I mean if if you think of things that you watch on Netflix or things that you watch in movies they're not just telling the good parts um they're talking about the drama and the pain and the mistakes, uh, the pettiness, along with, along with the moments of actions like Mother Teresa or, or, or sometimes I say like Papa Teresa, you know, like where you're doing nice things for people because that's a big part of it as well, right? Right. Yeah. So I think it's perfect that you have a podcast named Creatively Imperfect because I think that's a brilliant way to put it. You don't need to be perfect. You just, it's better to be creatively imperfect. And I actually saw a quote from Mark Twain just the other day where he said, books, books are like water. To geniuses, it's like wine, but everyone drinks water. Steve. Right. But if you think of that, right, it's like, you don't need to be a genius. You make water because everyone's going to drink that. Right. So, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to get too deep. Up no, there, but... that, no, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, that was really deep. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Um, let's talk about specifics with your book. It's actually a memoir. It is. How did you come up with the title? What was like? Okay, so 
Murphy's Boy. I talk about it, I believe, in... I want to say it's part 12 or 13. So there are three... In, there are basically three titles that encapsulate my life, and it's Murphy's Boy, The Story of Almost, and It Is What It Is. And I, I feel like they encapsulate a lot of people's lives, really, if you think of it. But Murphy's Boy is essentially, if you think of Murphy's Law, if it can happen it will happen. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it's something bad. It just means if it can happen, it will happen. And a lot of moments through my life, if it could happen, it did. So I've, I've had some, I've been through some interesting experiences. Um, it's a long memoir. It's a really long memoir. When I would try to take it to publishers, they would say, I actually had one publisher tell me because it's 200 and it's approximately 287,000 words. So it's 80,000, approximately 80,000 words longer than Moby Dick. And wow. which is a long book. It's a long book. So it, right. typically <laughs> memoirs are like, oof, they're like 60 to 90,000 words. So I had one publisher come back to me and they, and she was like, could you pare this down? Could you cut this down to a typical memoir? And I said, no, it ruined the story. Like, I'm not gonna, that, I would shave so much out of this book to be able to do that. It would, it wouldn't be a book worth reading. And I feel like I cheated myself and I cheated all the readers as well. So, so it's not a typical memoir. Um, a lot in the sense that, it's it's a layer cake like it's a real layer cake it's got so many different layers to it because it starts off and it's talking about what's going on with with covid um it starts it starts day one of the lockdowns so and then by the time you get to day i feel like it's day 10 or 11 and each day is a chapter um, then I talk about this first post. I make mention of this first post. So then it starts to go into another layer while I'm still talking about what's going on in Madrid. I'm talking about what I gotta stop saying that word. It's killing me. It's, it's, it's <laughs> killing me. Uh, You're fine. Oh <laughs> but it, 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 I can't avoid it. Shoot. All right. It's talking about what's going on in, <laughs> in Europe. So in the UK and Germany, where you see parts of New Zealand, it's talking a lot about what's going on in, in Canada and in the US, in North America as a whole. And then it also makes mention of things that are going on in Brazil, in South America, parts of Mexico. Um, so it, it's really got an international feel and you, you're really seeing I wrote the story, but as much as I wrote it, it's everybody's story in a lot of senses. So then when it gets to that first layer, then you start to see this guy that that had disappeared from the world. Um, and just a little bit about that, I, I had been in an accident uh, approximately five years before COVID hit. And I had had a severe cervical strain and severe post-concussive symptoms, which 
followed the accident. So I went from having a, a photographic memory to seeing nothing but black. And doctors saying, well, it might not come back. You might just be stuck with, with what, you, what you've got. So for me to be able to do this was a big thing in, in that sense. But um, eventually it started to heal and the, the blackness became a spotty mind of sorts and, and my memory started coming back. And later on, I, so later on when I started doing the flashbacks, I had to reach out to some people and ask them questions and say, give me a little bit of background on some of the things that took place because I, I remember pieces of it, but some of it's a little bit spotty. And as soon as they would explain things, it would just be like memories would just, I get flash images just flooding my mind. And I just started writing them. But that doesn't come until I feel like that's around that's day 38 is when I get into some heavy, heavy flashbacks, which is cool in a sense. But anyways, just backing up to um, just backing up to to where you see this guy coming back to life. So you see me come back to life. But at the same time, I'm also writing about how this is impacting me to write these stories as I'm going. And I think that's interesting as a writer and for other writers to read as well as, as well as other humans, because everybody goes through these times where you get knocked down and you got to find a way to pick yourself back up. And we're all climbing mountains at one point or another throughout our lives. So this was just my perspective of it, but if it helps somebody else be able to do the same thing, um, or their variation of it, then then it's worth it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I definitely appreciate that as well. This book is massive. So did you use an outline or did you just? No, I did not. I did not have a single outline whatsoever, actually, Um, because I did not write. No, I didn't know I was writing a book. So I think it wasn't until about part 40, I got a whiteboard. And I started mapping out, not mapping out, well, kind of, I would make little points of what I was going to write for the next day on the whiteboard just so I, and so I could cross it off. And I'll tell you a little secret. There's a, there's a way that I kept the same tone for each day that I would be writing. So each day I would find a track um, to listen to. And I would listen to that thing for the most part, on repeat throughout. And it, seem, it seems crazy because it, can, it could drive a lot of people a little bit batty. But what it does is it keeps your mind on that same wavelength. So you keep your same tone throughout it, if that makes sense. It's interesting. It was a weird way to do it. Uh, like at the beginning for the first few tracks or the yeah, the, I want to say the first nine days or so, maybe a little bit longer, I was listening to different variations of, uh, it's, he's a pianist called Ludovico Einaudi. And I had never heard of him before, but I stumbled upon him, uh, I think when I wrote on day six, when I wrote the first part. So I listened to that 
and then later on when I get I think when I get into the flashbacks so the first the first flashback I started dropping soundtracks and I actually write above the chapter what the soundtrack was that I wrote that part too because it's kind of a secret but at the same time if you listen to the song and then you read the flat or and then you read the part it has more punch and it gives it gives the word the words more punch if that makes sense so the first song was um what was it oh it was otis redding um change a change is gonna come and then i drop back into when i'm like 15 years old 16 years old uh, because I, I went through some crazy stuff when i was younger and I, I grew up in the ghetto um ran away from home when i was 14 i was homeless three times between the ages of 16 to 22 dropped out of high school on three separate occasions we lived with a single mother who had uh, mental illness and I would be taken care of. So I had to work two full-time jobs at, at different points. But so the first, the first flashback of my youth is uh, Biggie Smalls everyday struggle. The second one is Tupac pain. I'm trying to think of the next, I feel like one goes into 50 cent because I was just, I was giving snapshots of different things, what, what was going on. So like Tupac Payne, for instance, um, I was 16 years old and I was homeless and I, I had to seek refuge in a crack den because I had nowhere else to live. And uh, I could write shelves of books of what, what went on in that place. But so Tupac Payne, um, that was a good track for that. And it was also what I was listening to at the time. So it, it fit and it kind of helped with the flashbacks as well. Those are some good titles there. <laughs> they are good titles. I, later on, so like one where I, I talk about being, this is later on, but I call it the Swamp Leagues when I was a little bit older. I think I was like 18, 17, 18. Uh, one is Tupac, Keep Your Head Up. I feel like 50 Cent hated or love it is in there at one point. I, I'm almost positive. I think Mob Deep Shook Ones is in there later on. I mean, there's some Alicia Keys way later, way later. But I mean, there's also there's also some parts like uh, Florence and the, Florence and the Machine, um, Shake It Off, because it just kind of, if you listen to the lyrics, it fit for the part that I was writing. Mm -hmm. um and then i also throw in some jingles as well like that i just write depending on mm -hmm, what was going on like well what's going on in that part because it gets crazy so throughout the entire book i tell the story of what's going on in madrid uh in the epicenter and and the rest of the world and what i'm seeing um what uh the orange-haired baboon that was uh, running the States is doing and, oh. uh, and the horrible, some of the things, sorry. I, I, don't, I don't know which side of the fence your listeners. Um, <laughs> I don't enjoy dogmas and I, I, I don't enjoy some of the things that, uh, that some of the politicians around the world were doing. I certainly don't enjoy a lot of the things that uh, particular politicians in in North America we're doing so I take shots and I 
like I said, it's, it's an incomplete history of my perspective. So you don't have to necessarily agree with it um, at all points in time. It's, it's not anything to try to convince you one way or another. I just call it how I see it. And uh, there were some bad things that were going on. And it's crazy because later on, by the end of the book, Black Lives Matter takes place. So George Floyd takes place. Um, and I, I wrote about that near the end of the book because that was close to where I had actually ended the book. And that has some punch to it. Like I did, I did not hold back on that. I don't, I don't know how much I should go into it. If you, if you want, I can, I can tell secrets. But I was livid, and I was, I was lit on fire, like people should be when, when they see things like that. Uh, you know, so I poured that, poured that fire into the page and made it eloquently delicious for other people to eat up yeah just don't tell the secrets let people buy the book so that they the secrets will become revealed in that way this is true this is probably <laughs> for the best um what advice would you give someone trying to pursue a career in writing Whew. uh just go for it don't hold back um a lot of people have, have reached out to me and said, I've been thinking about writing something for years or I just found my story. How do you think I should start? And for me, I mean, I didn't know that I was gonna write a book, but it turned into this, this beast of a textbook size <laughs> book for other people to read. It, I say, just, just go into it. Just give it everything that you have. Don't worry about the little things like editing along the way, just put as many words on the page as you possibly can, and then you can do it. What I did at the beginning was it was interesting because I was trying to figure out ways to figure out how much I should write because it's hard when you're looking at the page, unless you're constantly doing word counts, you don't know how many words you've actually written. So I would tell myself, paragraph is essentially a small paragraph is like two twitter tweets if that makes sense so it's approximately i don't know let's say 500 characters ish if you do that twice then you've got you've got a medium medium to large size paragraph so i would look at it and i would count how many paragraphs i'd written and i knew that if i got to 10 or 11 that that could be a chapter if I got, and later on I got to, it would start being like 17 or 20 paragraphs in a chapter or something like that. So that's how I kind of broke it down. So don't try to look at it like you need to write 5,000 words or 3,000 words or whatever it may be. Look at it like I'm going to write I'm going to write 15 Twitter tweets because that is very doable, right? Yeah. And it makes it so much easier in your mind because you're not looking at this mountain. You're just saying, yeah, I can do, I can do 280 characters. I mean, a lot of the time when you try to write things on Twitter, you get frustrated because you have to slim them down. Right. <laughs> 
right? So you're like, yeah, okay, I can do that. That's that's easy. I'm just gonna bang this out a few times, and then all of a sudden you've got you've got a few pages. I don't know. It's it's interesting because at the beginning of the book, I had about there it is again. I had a <laughs> <laughs> the the first chapter is approximately 800 to 900 words. Like it's tiny. But I think by, I want to say it was part 67, I think that one was 6,700 words that I did in one day. Wow. And that, that was tricky. Like, um, I was pacing. So I wrote the entire book on my phone, which is a little bit wild. Oh, wow. But I was, it worked better. Okay, for a couple reasons. One, I couldn't find the charger for for my laptop until after I had finished the book. So there's a reason why I wrote a book called Murphy's Boy, apparently. Uh, anything can happen. But I was just working with what I had so because it had to be enough. So I, w- I wrote it all on my phone, and I wrote it in Samsung Notes, and then I would flip it into Microsoft Word, and I would go through these these quick edits, and then I would post it on the Facebook for people to read. But... What I found with that is if you think about, if you, so like if you put your hand into a fist and you think of that as what, you, what part of your brain you're using, um, that, that's basically what you're using out of your brain if you're sitting down and you're sitting down for a long period of time. But if, you're, if you do exercise for approximately 15 minutes or so, if you spread your hand out, that's how much of your brain you're using. So I realized in order to kind of get my mind working and I would wake up and I'd start, I'd have, I'd have some tea and I would, I would pace back and forth because it was a lockdown. I couldn't go for walks outside to get exercise really other than at the dog park uh, where I would take the dog. But so I would do that and I was getting exercise while I was doing it. And it kind of keeps you more alert and makes it so you can keep flowing with things instead of getting so tired out as well. Interesting. Yeah. It's a, it might work for people. It may not. I don't know. I, it, I got borderline carpal tunnel by the end of it. So <laughs> I think we all get carpal tunnel at the, at the end of any project, <laughs> especially when you're so passionate about it. It was crazy. 90 days straight. Yeah. No weekends, no days off. It was just work, work, work. Yeah. I wanted to finish the story. That's insane. But you did it and you're living proof of it. So Yeah, it was it was wild finding the ending. Like I did not know I didn't know how it was gonna end it. I thought it was gonna kiss where I'd started at the beginning. And what actually happened was I got to part eighty nine. And I was like, nope, that's it. <laughs> like, I just, I hit this thing out of the park. I knew it. I, I knew it. And it must have been, I think it was 5 a.m. And I put on, I think it was Hopeless Wanderer by Mumford and Sons, because that was a soundtrack that, that I had used earlier in the book. And when you get to that soundtrack, you'll see why. It, it's got some punch to it. And there's a reason for that one in particular. So I did that and I'm, I'm like, I'm power walking around the apartment, just like strutting. I'm like, I did this, like, oh my God. And then the next day, 
because people were expecting to be able to read this every day. Um, so the next day I, I kept writing and I did part 90, which actually I turned into the epilogue. And after the epilogue, I think it, mu it must have been 4 a.m., 4 or 5 a.m. And I put on Aretha Franklin respect. And I'm like, I'm dancing around in the darkness, just feeling so good about myself because I did it. And then I wrote for three days more after that. Um, and I, I kind of overshot the ending. And I, I paused for a minute. I paused for like three or four days. And then I came back. I had what some people have described to me afterwards as uh, writer's grief, where you finish the story and you kind of feel bad that it's over. Because I, I didn't know where it was going to end until I just stumbled upon the ending. And I, I felt that. I felt bad that it, it was over and that I had to kind of pull the plug on it. Um, so what I did with with the next three days, and then I ended up going back and writing four more days after, after I came back, and then I stepped away for a week. I thought about it, and I came back, and I said, I finished my book. Like, this is it. It's Here you go. Uh, but I didn't give people the actual, actual ending after part 89. So there's part 89 and three quarters, which is right in between um, that I did not post for people to read. They had to buy the book or, or find out from a friend who bought it because some secrets you just don't tell. Right. <laughs> so so. What, what does the future look like for B.A. Davidson? Oof, I don't know. Well, I've got the sequel that I'm working on right now. Nice. Um, I'm currently, cause I do a lot of, I do a lot of like poetry and, and quotes. I've, I've been pulling quotes out of the book left, right and center and doing narrations of the book and putting them up on, on Facebook and, and Instagram and LinkedIn a little bit, just cause I have a big following on LinkedIn as well. Um, so I play with it there. Hopefully I can, I can turn this thing into a series um or or a film because it has got some stuff in it and there's a lot of layers to this cake like there's whew, it's a love story it's a comeback story it's a covid story it's i don't know it's got something that i think everybody can connect with one way or another so i'm just going to keep writing i mean Hopefully somebody wants to pay me for it. But at the end of the day, you look, Eric Thomas says it best. Um, you won't be successful until you get to a point where you can say, you don't have to pay me a dime to do this. Mm. <laughs> so they don't need to pay me a dime to do it. It'd be nice if somebody right. does, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's weird, right? Because like you stumble upon your talent, and when you get recognition from other people and you start to realize, okay, I'm good at this. Um, and I think it was Ray Allen. I remember watching a video from Ray Allen before where he said when he was younger, once people realized he was good at something, um, then they started wanting to help him. So I think it kind of works like that in life. Once people realize that you're good at something or that you're really passionate about something and that you're willing to go all the way you see 
different friends or different supports pop out of left, right, and center to, to kind of help you or assist you um, while you're chasing your dreams. Cause I think that you should chase your dreams with reckless abandon because we don't have anything else. Life is so fleeting. So it's, there's, there's nothing else to do in life other than try to follow your heart and dreams, hopes and dreams are the most precious thing that we'll never own. That part right there. <laughs> if you can do anything different, what would you have done with the book? There was like one little thing you could have done, maybe added in. What would it be? There's okay. There is one little thing, but I can't. Hmm. I don't know if I can tell it because it would give something away that's actually in the book. Okay, so there would be one thing that I would I would probably add just a a little story that that I don't make mention of that it would it's a true story, but it it kind of foreshadows what's to come a little bit later on. So I may have done that. I don't think I would have plotted it out. I don't think I would have planned anything because part of the beauty of what, what took place was each day I, w- I would be excited to get up and start writing. And I would just tell the story of, of that day of what took place because so there's a 14 day gap from when actual events take place to when I'm actually writing them. And it's interesting to see how this story evolves. So I don't know if I'd really, I don't know if I really change anything. I like how it played out. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's confusing, right? (laughs) It's only confusing if you make it. So if you don't, see the need and changing it then how it is right now how it's published and that is how the story needed to be told and that's that's i i mean okay one one change that i would (laughs) i would definitely make i would have edited it better before i put it out okay uh for for other people to read so i didn't have so much work to do afterwards because i didn't have an editor so so you did not so you self-edited no, no, and it oh, it drives me nuts because there are little things that I've noticed that I've corrected and then republished. So whatever version somebody's picking up now it has the corrected things, but there would be little things where I would notice that, I don't know, like one period I, I noticed throughout the entire book, one period was on the outside of quotations and things like that i'm just like oh ben like man why are you ruining your life like don't don't do this to yourself so it's crazy but at the same time it is so hard to read your own work absolutely because because i'll leave out words and a crazy thing that happened so after i'd been in the accident um i could always write i could always write but i I could read about four words into into the page of something that I had written and then my eyes would go fuzzy Mm. and I couldn't read my own work. 
So it was a very weird thing. So I wouldn't know actually what I wrote, but I've read, I've, I've read it since. Right. And I'm like, wow, this is not too bad. This is okay. This is not too shabby, but yeah, no, the editing edit. I hate <laughs> editing up. Look, if there's an editor out there that that's listening, um, that wants to edit my stuff for free, <laughs> please, con- please contact me. We will. I don't know what I can do for you, but I will. Uh, well, you can give him a copy. I'll of make the book. you. A t- I'll get. I'll <laughs> give you a copy of the book that you've right. edited. That you can write. I'll put you inside the cover and be like, "This is my editor." Whatever you want, I don't care. Just make my life easy, right. please. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think. Um, I think if you had to skimp, especially like, you know, newbie writers, newbie authors, you know, there's not much money that we have. And I'm going to say we because I'm in the boat. Um, But I think if you had to cut corners, you can cut corners everywhere except with the editing part. Because like you said, it's very difficult for writers to read their own work and, and you know, see it in this whole new light. It's, it's hard. You need a fresh pair of eyes. You need someone who's not attached. You need someone who's not going to be emotionally, you know, this is your baby. This is like, this is you, you know? So you need that outside person to look in and say, hey, you missed this part. You need to add this part in. You know, you might need to fix this around, switch this, because it, oftentimes we can't do that by ourselves. No matter how perfect we are in English and, you know, how educated we are, we just can't We put so much time and effort and energy into the story. You know, we have to leave it alone for a little bit and just send it out in the world and hope that someone will take care of it for us. But yeah, I would say put the money into the editor. If you're going to cut the corners, cut it everywhere else except for the editor. Cause that is the person that will just polish it. Just, just get it to look at its best, you know? So I would agree with that 100%, 100%. If, look, I'm a hobo writer, so um, I'm, I'm currently waiting on my first royalty checks. Once they come in, then I will probably take the second book or to an editor. But yeah, it it's something, but you have to have a good relationship with, with your editor. Because if they're editing something that is off, your tone or that they don't write the same way then you guys can start to buck heads because for instance with me so if i listen to something like um ludovico Einaudi, like i was saying i'll write more i don't know what what literarians that have read it are called shakespearean which to me i call it dr zeusian like it rhymes or the fact that i, I grew up listening to hip-hop i don't know but it, it it has textures of, of rhyme to it. If I listen to something like, I don't know, like if I listen to something like Moby while I'm writing, it will be, it'll have a different type of depth to it. But if I listen to something like, uh, if I listen to something like Biggie or Pac, it'll have, it can be more gritty. It can be more grimy. Uh, depending on the song, it can have more, pop to it i mean if i listen to something like bust a move or fat boy slim um praise you something that's kind of bouncy it'll be more funny right so i actually had a friend that passed what was it i feel like it was one chapter of of my book to to an editor to an actual editor and she writes 
or Orwellian. And I don't play by the rules. And sometimes I write Shakespearean. And she edited some of my stuff. And she said it was too flowery. And I, I called him. I was like, what? Why did, you, why did you give her this? Why? why? Oh, it drove me nuts. Because I don't want you messing with my stuff. Like, right. I baked a pie. Like, don't stick, don't stick your hand in it and, and, and tell me that it's not going to be an apple pie and you're turning it into a pumpkin pie. Like, no. <laughs> See, that's, this is an apple right, but it's like, That's the thing. You, you, need, you need that tough love. You need... Because the editors, they know. You know, they've been through enough manuscripts. They know what sells. They know what doesn't. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still your book, you know. Um, it's your choice to go with what that editor says. But, you know, it's just that tough love. It's like, listen, you need to cut this out. This might this might not come off, or this might be a little bit offensive. Like, you know, they are the ones that they just know. They have they have the secret sauce. <laughs> said, hmm, I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah, like foo fooey to them, fooey to them. I don't, I don't want any of that. Like you're right, you're right. I don't like it. I don't want to agree with you, but you are right. Well, geez, it, it drives me nuts. I'm just like, just let me write the books and enjoy it because other people are reading it and they're enjoying it. Like, come on, what? Just because you write overwhelming. Well, if you listen to this editor, like you, you don't know what you're talking about. Read my book, read the whole thing, and you'll be surprised. Maybe you'll, you'll learn how to write like I do. I'm a I'm a good Hemingway. You're welcome. <laughs> Me, Davidson, where, where can listeners find you online? They can find me on Instagram at Murphy's Boy or Murphy's underscore boy. Um, they can also find me. There's a Facebook page. I put stuff up on the Facebook page, but the main platform that I use these days is, is Instagram, but it's Murphy's Boy 2020. Those are the main two. Um, I mean, if you can track me down on LinkedIn, you can find some stuff, but you're going to get more fun out of, out of things that you're going to find on Instagram, to be honest, because I'll put up quotes that I, that are from the book. I, but I've also started doing So like I did a book tour where I was wandering around the city and chatting with people and taking different kind of, I don't know, you could say artsy or just funny or interesting pictures with the book, because that's a, so just a side note for authors. Look, if you want to piggyback off of, if you want to piggyback marketing off of other companies, do something like that for Instagram. So take your book, go and take a picture of it in front of McDonald's. Use hashtag McDonald's. I mean, maybe not McDonald's because there's so many better places, but you know what I'm saying with this, right? Um, I haven't done it with McDonald's because I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do this, but I don't know. Just pick, pick something, pick a, a brand name that you like, whatever it may be. And, and then hashtag them, write something about it. And all of a sudden now you're marketing your product with that product. When people search for that product using the hashtag and there's not a darn thing that anybody can do about it. So you got to find loopholes folks. You got to find lots of loopholes. Um, other things that I do on, on Instagram. So I've, I've been narrating parts of my book and trying not to give too much of it away. But what I've been considering doing is, because I was talking to a friend about this last night, is reading chapters for people. Um, 
to maybe start posting full chapters where I'm just going to read one all the way through and give people something to, to listen to, or I'll just, it'll be like a lullaby before they go to sleep. So that could be interesting. Um, the narrations, I turn them into like little mini movies. It's, it takes a lot of work. A lot of people want an audiobook out of me and this book will take you 23 to 24 hours to read or to, to 25 hours, sorry, to read. So for me to make a narration of, let's just say, oh no, two to three paragraphs, hmm, that can take, uh, that can take like an hour wow. or more. Just so like, oh, people. <laughs> oh, you you got to give people what they want. I know I mean, you gotta you put, give the people the what they want, but they all there. you can't, you know, you gotta go all the way. So maybe you wanna look well, into that audio. <laughs> well, like my maybe, but my friend was saying like I could charge people to re- like get them to sign up or like subscribe, and I will I will read to them on I don't know what Zoom or something. Okay. Like well, I don't know how I would do it yet exactly i'd have to plot it out but you could do something like that where you're actually reading the chapters and that would be interesting so the hardest thing for me is i i hate charging people for this thing i hate it like i'm the only reason it's the price that it is on amazon is because amazon charges me so much money for production so then i have to pay for the production so i don't i don't make I don't make that much money off. Of it. I make some money off of it, but I mean, like pennies compared to uh, to what Amazon is making right. off of it. So, it, well, because I I wrote the thing for free, I put it out on Facebook, and which is a weird way to to do a book. Like a lot of authors, they hold all that all those cards to their chest. And for me, I like I had a fortune cookie one time and this is, this is kind of funny, but I had a fortune cookie one time that said goods that are not shared are not goods. And it always stuck with me. Look, if you don't share your goods, are they actually goods? I don't know. But so I, I put it out for people to read it. If I didn't, I don't know if anybody would have picked up my book because no one's ever heard of me, but now they read it and they're like, Holy smokes. This has got some, it's got some stuff to it. And now people know of you. So. I don't know. Well, exactly, right? So, oh, the other one thing that I'm going to do probably, I think I'm going to put out the first 20 chapters on Instagram. Nice. Because there's enough chapters and it's already free. You can go and you can download, I think, the first 18 chapters for free on Kindle. So I may as well put it in other places for people yeah, to read. That, I mean, yeah, just put it everywhere. Put it out. <laughs> basically right man so much work i just i just want to write books so just write them <laughs> i wish i could but man like no one's gonna read them if i don't promote them it's, it drives me crazy a it's like bane of yeah yeah so anyway you've been doing i've noticed that you've been doing the uh the nano uh miro writing did i say um, that right no, it's actually <laughs> no. I you didn't. Did. Say it it's right. um, it's Nano National 
novel writing month. But you were close. It was, it was close enough. I, I understood. I'm pretty sure other people understood it. As soon as you say nano, they're going to get it. Like The nano fans, they will understand you. They will forgive you for uh, messing up. <laughs> well, I... So how how do you feel about how do you feel about what what you've been writing so far? I feel good. I feel really good about it. I'm really confident about it. Um, I don't think that it will be completely finished by the end of November. I mean, the goal is to have the fifty thousand, of course, but uh, because it's in the thriller suspense genre, it needs to be at least eighty, possibly ninety thousand to even consider publication the traditional way so um I don't know which way I'm going yet so I want to just make sure I have those words so that that's not something that I'm faced with when I you know outsource a a traditional publisher and that so are you gonna are you gonna go with a traditional publisher for it yeah definitely I want to I want to see where I can go with that yep yeah that that is that's smart to do first. Um, I made that mistake. Well, I don't want to call it a mistake. I didn't want to wait on publishers to get back to me, so I published and it myself. <laughs> but, so... but if you go with a traditional publisher, they'll pay you for exactly. the rights, mm-hmm. I believe, right? And that's a, that's a better paycheck off yeah. the hop. And now I've gone to publishers since. And, yeah, they take they take care of you. They'll they'll you know they'll they'll help you out with the marketing. They'll set you up with an agent like you'll be well taken care of if you can but that's the thing you know your story it it has to be something that they feel will sell it can't be something that oh you know you might feel like oh well this is good this is great you know all my friends like it so no it has to be something that they are looking for at the time because it could be a good story but they're just not looking for that particular story at that particular time this is very true what they've responded with me to is that they've said, um, and I guess it's a pitfall because I, I jumped a little early, is they said that they don't republish right. published books or self, right? So I can take the second book, the sequel to them. Um, but man, then I got to finish writing the second book to be able to take it. It's <laughs> Now we've come to that part of this show where listeners get to learn more about my guests, aside from their careers and projects. I now present the speed round and I have 25 questions for you. Just 25 questions. 25 questions. All right. 25 questions. You'll you'll need to answer all questions in one minute or even less. So I get a minute per question. So it's it's a 25 minute round is what you're saying. No. You're going to answer no. 25 questions in <laughs> <Yeah>. one minute. <laughs> All right. I can do this. I can you do can. this. Well, you, can, you can do it. I've tested it out. It works. If, if you're successful, then you'll be the first guest on my show to hold the title of winning the speed round. Actually, my last what? guest on the show, Jared Hall, he got all the way to question number 23. So you got to come correct if you want to beat his score. 23 questions? I, you're kidding me. I, all right. Yeah, that's fine. Then. The man set the bar high, apparently. Yeah. So you're gonna have to you're gonna I, have to come correct. <laughs> all right, all right, let's do this. I can I have my, I give my I best have shot. My timer. You got this. I have my timer, it's ready to go. And we'll all be able to hear exactly what you're made of. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Apple juice or orange juice? 
Apple juice. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Steak or fish? Chicken. Coffee or tea? Tea. Day or night? Night. Half empty or half full? Half full. Rain or snow? Rain. Handwritten or typed? Handwritten. Favorite sports team? Raptors. Favorite author? Me. Favorite color? Leaf green. Favorite place to visit? Amsterdam. Hot or cold? Hot. The past or the future? Future. Favorite song? Juicy. Sweet or salty? Salty. Extrovert or introvert? Extrovert. Reading or writing? Writing. Phone conversations or text messages? Phone conversations. Pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie? Pumpkin pie. Son of a gun, I didn't make it. I didn't make I know I didn't make it. <laughs> Would you like to know what number you stopped at? Take a while. Guys. No, but you're going to tell me. Oh, hmm. <laughs> All right. I feel like I feel like I got to 18, maybe 17, maybe maybe 12. You got to number 20. Oh, 20. Yeah. yeah that's that's my lucky good. number. All right, I'll take 20. I'll take 20. That's, that's actually really good. You did good. You did well, sir. You should be proud of yourself. Well, I'm like, so-so. I mean, hat tip to your last, <laughs> your last guest. I mean, he, he obviously cheated somehow. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> Apparently, he cheated. So well, that's fine. Just, just like my last guest, you would have to come on the show again to redeem yourself. Maybe next time you can go all the way. Well, well, I feel like I feel like I made you pause for a second because you asked me steak or fish, and I said chicken. Yeah, you threw me off, but I was trying to be fair, and I caught yeah. that. I was trying to be fair. I'm like, if I stop, <laughs> this is gonna mess him up. Let me just keep. Going. <laughs> I didn't want to stop. I knew it would. I, I knew it would. But I mean, hey, let that be a lesson to any any writers out there. Don't play by the rules. <laughs> don't live. Don't live with dogmas. Just do you. <laughs> Right. Somebody offers you fish or steak and you want chicken Just and go for the chicken. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> B.A. Davidson, this this was fun. I'm glad you were able to come hang out with me and share your journey. Just feel free to stop by anytime. This has been awesome. And uh, thank you much. So thank you so much for having me on. Before I go, just for your listeners, I guess I'll say it one last time. <laughs> About out house. You're welcome. You're well, welcome. Well, you know what? I actually made a tally for your abouts, and you, you no. said it about 56 times. Well, you said it about almost 57, but then you held that last one, so I didn't count it. 56? Yeah, I, well, I know that I pulled it back on the one. I know that I pulled it back on the one, which you're welcome for that one. <laughs> but I suppose... I knew as soon as I started talking about it. Ah. Oh, 58. 58. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> you can learn more about B.A. Davidson's book on Amazon today, Murphy's Boy, available in both ebook and paperback. Follow B.A.'s writing journey on Instagram at Murphy's underscore boy and Facebook page at Murphy's Boy. And that brings us to the end of this week's Author Spotlight episode. 
I appreciate you listening and I truly hope you were able to gain some valuable information. Before I close, I want to just quickly recap one point I found interesting during the show. And that's the point that BA made about having all you need already. If you want to get into writing but hesitate to start because you feel like you need a whole lot to get going, you're setting yourself up for failure and you'll never start. All that you need to get started with writing is available to you right now. I promise you, you have everything you need to begin. Take the stories in your heart and start spilling them out into the world. Don't worry about being perfect because guess what? Perfection doesn't exist. Not in this world anyway. Look deep inside your truth and create something beautiful. Whether it be in the form of poetry, short stories, a novel, or even a memoir. Choose something to write about and just begin. It is that simple. Till next week's creatives, happy writing.